Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. For the first time in the festival's nine-year history, President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama will serve as honorary chairs of this free event. Held on the National Mall Saturday, September 26, the 2009 festival will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend in person, you can still participate online. These podcast interviews with well-known authors and other materials are available through the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov bookfest. It's now my honor of talking with uh, one of the chief and principal names in uh, teen and children's literature, Judy Bloom. She's perhaps best known for her successful book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Ms. Bloom was among the few children and teen authors to take, uh, tackle controversial matters in her novels Iggy's House, It's Not the End of the World, Just as Long as We're Together, Blubber, Deanie, Then Again Maybe I Won't, and Forever. Ms. Bloom has also composed successful novels for adults, such as Wifey and Smart Women. She's earned an array of literary awards, including the American Library Association's Margaret A. Edwards Award for Lifetime Achievement, the Library of Congress Living Legends Award, and the National Book Foundation Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters. Ms. Bloom's most recent book, Friend or Foe, from the Pain in the Great One series, was just released this past May. Ms. Bloom, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Very much appreciated. Let's start out with your latest book, uh, Friend or fu- uh, friend or fiend? I'm sorry, I, I totally. Uh... Yes, I, was going, I was going to mention that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 my brain saw one word and uh, read another. So, uh, no, friend, friend, friend or, or fiend. friend or fiend? Yes. Yeah, so tell me yes. about about the series and tell me about this book specifically. Well, I like to write for different age groups, as as you know, and um, it had been a long time, or maybe maybe I had never quite written for this age group, which is a pre-fudge audience and and you know fudge is 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 um a series of books read by i don't know third third through sixth graders and um i had this idea to do a series of four books um based on uh, a picture book i had done a very long time ago called the pain and the great one and the pain and the great one uh, were originally based on my children. My daughter called her little brother the pain and <laughs> named herself the great one. And uh, these are, these are um, you know, they've taken on their own lives now, these characters. And in these books, um, they're short stories. They're chapter books, really, um, seven stories in each book. Uh, about a brother and a sister and their feelings about each other and their lives at home and their lives at school. And in Friend or Fiend, um, which is the last of the books for now anyway, um, it's it's how your friend can sometimes turn into your fiend. And the, the first story is, is based on something that happened to me when I was in fifth, uh, first grade, I'm sorry, <laughs> when I was in first grade and learning to read, and we were sitting at reading circle, and I misread a word, and everyone laughed at me, and I didn't know why, and it was, it was humiliating. I can still remember how it felt. And in Friend or Scene, that's exactly what happens to Jake um, in the first story. Well, thank you for not laughing at me for mispronouncing a word. Um, so this this will be the last book in the series, is that correct? Or at least in terms of... of well, for now, yes. Um, I, I, you know, for... 
after four books, I need a break, and I want to yeah. do something entirely different. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, very prolific in terms of books for young people, but uh, adult books as well. What inspired you to uh, move in that direction? Yeah, I have to say you missed my best adult book, which is Summer Sisters. Oh, dear. I'm so is, sorry about that. <laughs> which is um, the book that all my, uh, you know, gave me the best book tour of my entire life because all the 20-somethings and 30-somethings um, who grew up on my books came out for that. And it was it was a very emotional book tour, very satisfying. And... Summer Sisters has, which was the book that almost killed me, and the book that had me saying, that's it, I'm never, ever writing another book, I'm done. Um, you know, looking back, I think, oh, what was I thinking? But um, it, was a, it was a difficult, difficult journey, um, doing that book, and it became my most successful, my most successful book for grown-up readers. Hmm. Now, we went out to the library's uh, Facebook page and Twitter feed to allow your fans to have an opportunity to ask you some questions as well. And, and I have to say that uh, one of the most overwhelming responses that we got is simply people who are thanking you for the work that you've done. Uh, one question similar to what I just asked is, do you approach your books for adults differently than your books for younger adults and children? And do you think that your adult audience uh, are the people who read your young adult books growing up? Uh, let's take that one at a time. Um, do I approach it differently? No. The, the process for me is the same. It's always very difficult. Um, I dread first drafts, whether, whether it's, it's for a novel or a chapter book. Um, it's always equally difficult. And, and when it's done, it's equally pleasurable. Mm -hmm. um, so the process is the same. Now, what was the, the next part? Well, there were three parts to that question. The, the, second, part, the second part was, do you, do you think that uh, the, the adults who read your books are the same ones who grew up reading your young adult books? I think that's true now, but certainly when I wrote Wifey, um, that was not true because uh, that was in 1978, mm -hmm. and so my uh, my young readers had not yet grown up. Um, so I don't I don't know the audience. I don't know where it came from. It was uh, it was very it was a happy experience because the audience did come, and one never knows when writing will there be an audience. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I, I guess playing off this uh, notion of people who are really thankful for the, the realism that you brought to your books and, and the influence that you've had on them, one person from our Twitter feed asks you, what is the most memorable fan letter you've ever got? Can you remember any specific reaction? Oh, there are so many. My goodness, what's the most memorable one? Well, I guess... Um you know, the, the funny one-liners always stick in your mind as, as well as the deeply personal and painful ones. But I'd rather talk about a funny one online, which, which is, um, Dear Judy, how do you do these books? Do you do, them, uh, do you do them with your brain or do you use a kit? <laughs> and how would you answer <laughs> <I've always> that? <laughs> uh, that was a long, long time ago. Sure. I, I, I told her I wished I had a kit. I didn't. <laughs> what were some of the books uh, and authors who influenced you when you were young? Well, when I was young, um, I loved a series of books by an author 
called Maud Hart Lovelace. And, and the series, which is still around, I'm happy to say, is uh, they're the Betsy Tacey books. And uh, if you ask a lot of women who grew up when I grew up, did they read those books? Um, they will tell you yes, especially women who later became writers. And I know when the when they reintroduced the books, um, they asked a, you know various people who had grown up to become writers to do introductions to each book. And uh, it was lovely. I was I, I'd been afraid to reread those books for years, afraid that I wouldn't find them. I would find them lacking now, and in fact, um, I found them just wonderful. I locked myself up for a day with all of these books, and I cried my eyes out. My mm-hmm. husband didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. They were they were wonderful books, so they did not disappoint. Now, I, I've read that um, you believe that you're a lot like the main character in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Do you find a connection like that in a lot of your writing? Well, you know, I wrote Margaret early on in my career, and so, um, you know, the 12-year-old Judy was was right there. Um, I was, uh, I don't know, maybe I was in my 20s, in my late 20s maybe, but, you know, my memory for, for being that age was was so acute. Um, I could conjure up every feeling I could you know, just remember the whole thing. I don't know if I could do that as well now. Yeah. So I'm glad I did it then. But yeah, Margaret is a is a character a lot like the the twelve year old I was. Yeah. So I always tell the kids now they know my secrets. <laughs> You're they always ask me, How do you know our secrets? How do you know my secrets? And I say, Well now you know my secrets. <laughs> Your uh, your books have been translated into 31 languages. Do you think that speaks to the, univ- the universal nature of the experiences that you write about? I hope so. <laughs> I, you know, when one starts to write, I mean, this is this is not what you think of. You know, you sit down and you you write, but you don't think someday this book will be translated into 31 languages. I mean, I didn't get beyond, oh, please, someday one of my books will be published, and then maybe someday somebody will read them. So it's been uh, a surprise, and it's been wonderful. Uh, and I, I guess some other personal um, uh, elements that you bring to your stories. I know a lot of your books, uh, Tiger Eyes, Here's to You, Rachel Robinson, actually came from physical locations that you know very well. Do you do you like to set your books in places that you personally know? Uh, I find it impossible to write a book unless it's set in a place I know well. But those books are not about the locations. And it's funny sure. that you mentioned Tiger Eyes, because right now I am struggling with a screenplay based on the book. Um, my son and I are collaborating, actually, and that's interesting, too. Um, and it takes me back to my days in New Mexico. Yeah, I could certainly, I would never have dreamed of setting a book in New Mexico, except that I lived there for seven years, and I knew it well and the summer sisters i mean i think that's the book that um it's set on martha's vineyard and um that's a place where i've spent summers for 20 years and uh, the vineyard becomes 
almost a character in that book, um, I think more than any of my other books, where place, place is, is so important. And certainly it's important in Tiger Eyes, too. Yeah. But I don't look for, you know, I don't go around the country looking for place. Actually, I did that once when I was writing, um, after I had written, actually, Summer Sisters, uh, not Summer Sisters, Smart Women. I get my titles now. <laughs> Just like you. Um, I, I, I had written a draft of, of Smart Women, and I needed to take it out of New Mexico where I was living. And so I went around the country looking for another place. This is the only time I've ever done this, and I will never, ever do it again. And um, I needed a place where where women might come after a major change in their lives because they wanted to start new lives. And that was certainly true in Santa Fe where I was living. But off I went to find another place. And I settled on Boulder, Colorado. And um, after I wrote it, I just, I just waited for those letters to come in saying, you don't know Boulder at all. <laughs> you got it all wrong. But in fact, I didn't get those letters. And I got one that said, well, when did you live here? You must have lived here. So that was good. But I will never do it again. Um, I'm not a writer who can um, do that. I, I need to know the location. I need to know a place inside out so that I understand um, the characters even better. Uh, given the degree to which your books have resonated with your readers, and and I would even say there's there's an emotional attachment that seems evident uh, with a lot of people. As your career has progressed, have you felt sort of a special responsibility in in, in terms of that that personal connection that you're making? Well, well, yeah. I mean, but the responsibility is to write the best books that I can write. And if I, um, I might never write another book if I let myself think about all those readers out there when I, you know, when I'm sitting at the computer writing, because that would be so overwhelming. Um, as it is, there have been times, <clears throat> sorry, there have been times when, you know, I feel I feel so responsible to my readers. I, I mean, you know, there are a lot of really serious, painful letters that come from particularly um, younger readers. And I feel a responsibility to those kids. I mean, I try to answer every one of those letters that I can, um, you know, but I, I can't. I can't solve the problems. I always offer to try and put them in touch with somebody um, who might be able to really help them. Uh, and, some, and some kids have, have said, yes, please do that. The um, I guess you could say the flip side mm. of some of the realism and and uh, very serious issues that you bring to your work is that some people have responded negatively. They've tried to take your books out of schools and out of libraries. How has that impacted you? Well, first, I, I have to say that, yeah, some of the topics 
are serious or real life, but the books are funny. Yeah. And that's what really brings me my readers. I don't want people to think, oh, you know, this is really um, dreary, serious stuff. Uh, it's not because the, 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 the subject matter has been serious. Um, it, it's because there are those who, you know, don't want to talk to their kids about some of these issues, including yeah. puberty. I mean, yes, puberty is serious, but puberty is funny, and puberty is natural and normal and healthy, and it's going to happen to everybody, whether their parents want it to or not. And um, the only thing is that parents let kids know early on, you can come to me with your questions or do not ever come to me with questions like these. Um, you know, so serious in terms of sexuality, in terms of um, language, religion. Uh, I mean, these are things that that affect everybody. Uh, do you think that uh, some of the, uh, I guess, censorship that you've faced, is that just an overreaction? Is this people who maybe don't read your books and don't appreciate the, the, the tone uh, and the attitude that you take with the subjects? Uh, this would take a whole conversation <laughs> about censorship. Um, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put it the way that you just put it. I think that um, censorship grows out of fear, and it's contagious. And, um, you know, it comes, when it first hit me, it was coming from the far right, the religious right. And now, um, not just for me, but for everyone out there, um, it can come from the right or the left. There is, uh, you know, there are those who want everything to be politically correct, and life is not necessarily politically correct. There are those who, you know, don't want certain language, and I try to explain, look, I'm not saying this is okay for your kids. You tell them. You get to say what's okay for them. But if a certain character reacts in a certain way, um... I've got to be true to the character, mm -hmm. you, and that gets me in trouble, yeah. You've been involved with the National Coalition Against Censorship. What kind of work have you done with that organization? Yes, it is a wonderful, wonderful, small organization that is there to help um, teachers who come under fire, writers whose books are challenged, um, readers who don't know where to turn when some of their books, favorite books, are removed. Um, and it's, it's an organization that really changed my life because I felt alone, um, painfully alone, when censorship first started, you know, 1980-ish. Mm. And I didn't know where to turn. And in those days, it was before, you know, publishers are involved today. I'm proud that my, uh, one of my publishers, Random House, has taken a real stand um, uh, against censorship. And, but in those days, I didn't know where to go. And somehow I found this little organization where they found me, 
and um, and they changed my life in helping me understand that I wasn't alone and that this was happening to other people too. And um, together, you know, with other writers and again with publishers um, and groups, uh, we stand we stand proud and tall. And um, and we fight back. Uh, you mentioned publishers, uh, uh, I guess, getting a little bit stronger in terms of their attitudes. What do you think is the general trend within society uh, in terms of uh, efforts to remove books? Do you think it's getting better or worse? Um, I think that it's changed because more libraries have policies in place. There was a time when, um, you know, school libraries, teachers and librarians, they didn't know what to do. Uh, now, now there are policies. You know, the, the ALA, American Library Association, is there to help, um, and librarians now they don't give in. When a parent comes into school waving a book and saying, take this book away, I don't like this book, um, I won't say in all cases, but in many cases, um, that, that will not happen anymore. It has to go through a proper uh, review board. The complaining parent will have to fill out a complaint you know, mm-hmm. put it in writing, it makes it a little bit different. Um, so I think this is good. Are there fewer complaints now? I'm not sure. There's always, there's always the latest book. You know, it's funny. I mean, um, censors never go after uh, books unless they're books that kids like. <laughs> it's almost as if if kids like these books, there must be something wrong with them. <laughs> so we better get rid of them. Um, it's always been that way. Hmm. You know, if you look at the list of books, I mean, Harry Potter, for a while, I'm not sure, um, but Harry was, you know, the most challenged of books. Um, and and if if Harry hadn't become popular... Nobody would have bothered. Yeah. Before I let you go, Judy Bloom, are there any other projects or or books that you're working on you'd like to talk about? Well, I did start um, research on a book that came to me out of the blue. I never even thought of it. Usually books, um, ideas sit in my head for a really long time, kind of on the back burner, and I'm not even aware of it. But this came to me in a flash. And uh, I was very excited, more excited than I'd been in a long time. Um, and it required research, something that I've never really, never really had the pleasure of doing because I found it to be a very, very satisfying, pleasurable um, experience. And a friend of mine who writes only nonfiction said, yeah, that's the research part. Wait till you have to sit down and start the writing, <laughs> which is true. I mean, usually I'm inventing, you know, uh, the whole way. And this will be. I mean, it will be a novel. And, of course, the characters will all be invented. But it is based on 
something that happened in my town when I was growing up um, that I'm not talking about yet. And uh-huh. I hope you don't think I'm being coy, but I just find it better. And I had planned over the summer to try to get really get going on a first draft of this novel. But the project um, with my son and Tiger Eyes uh, kind of fell into his lap and therefore into mine. And what's more important, you know, a project with your grandson or a novel. So um, for these few months, I will be working with him. And then when that's done, I will get back to this novel. And I hope that my enthusiasm will still be there. I'm sure it will be. I see it. You know, it's a notebook sitting on my desk, and I keep thinking, ooh, I'd really like to open that book and start on you. Mm. Well, Judy Bloom, you've had quite an influence on me personally, I have to say, and certainly millions and millions of other people. It's been such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. And just let me say to all of my readers out there who may be listening, thank you from the bottom of my heart, you have given me everything. Well, we are certainly excited to hear more from you. That'll be at the National Book Festival on Saturday, September 26th on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. As always, the event is free and open to the public, and if you'd like more details and a complete list of participating authors, you can visit www.loc.gov bookfest. From the Library of Congress, this is Matt Raymond. Thank you so much for listening.